I'm Peter Cahoon and this is Better Ideas. Now, if you're listening on the ACAST app, you can check out all the images of this podcast. Well worth taking a look because this week, later on, I'm talking to the tiny designer princess, Carolyn burns McCrave on renovating your home. Now, she's the House Rules designer mentor. She's been doing it for seven seasons and she also runs with her husband, burns McCrave Design. We'll be talking to them later, or talking to her later in this episode. But first, following on from last week, we're back with Marilyn Wilson Beretta. We're about to create the perfect space and how to maximise your productivity when working from home. Well, Marilyn, we've discussed about setting up the inner office space and and what it's like to set up your own personal space, have the right mindset of working from home. Let's now talk about setting up a physical space. Very important to have a comfortable physical space. What are some tips there? Setting up your home office. Oh, where to start first? Mm. There are so much. I think above all else, is it a place that you love? Do you walk into that space and go, oh, can't wait to sit down and work? Again, that relates to what we talked about last time is self-awareness. So when you walk into that space, whether it's a shared space, so you work on the kitchen bench, or whether it's you've got the spare bedroom, when you walk in there, what is the emotional reaction you've got to that? And I realized that probably a couple of years ago where I actually oh, I was dreading walking into that office because it was in the suburbs, it was the spare bedroom, yeah. it was just the plain beige walls. And it really, it, I just, I, I found myself was an inspiration. avoiding going yeah. in there. So I moved my space. I needed sunshine. Sunshine uplifted me. So I found a spot that had sunshine. And then to go that next level, I bought some, you know, some, that fake wallpaper that looks like bricks. Now everyone thinks that I've plastered it on a wall. Everyone thinks I'm in one of those trendy shared working (laughs) spaces when I'm doing it, you know, some sort of video call. But it's not. It's just really good quality brick paperwork and now when I walk in I've got the timber desk that I love I've got some fake plants because I if I put real ones I they die yeah you know and even some fairy lights in one of my fake bamboos but the reason is is when I walk into that office I go oh, I can't wait to sit down at that desk I know when the sunshine comes in at a certain period and I know that is my most productive which is the morning time actually so it's really important to have a space that you enjoy mm. and if you've got a shared space. So, for example, you don't have a spot for an, an, an office desk or an actual office. Is just make sure that that space is attractive for you. You know, it might mean going to Ikea and getting some boxes that you can dedicate just to your office that you throw things in. But make sure that you've got that likability factor or you're going to fail right from the start. I mean, there's loads we can talk about, you know, desk, whether you have a standing desk or whether you have a sitting desk and the ergonomics of chair and sure. where you position your, your chair in relationship. But I think, number one, make sure you love working there. Where you are in the house. What about in terms of lighting and task lighting? If you're going to be working in there at night, you know, I'm a big believer in having task lighting because it, I don't know, just having a little light lamp, old-fashioned lamp over a piece of paper, it gives a sense of sort of intimacy. For me, it actually focuses my attention on that task, literally. Even if the rest of the room is dark, it's sort of almost like I'm within myself, some within the space, having the right light. I agree. I rarely use the overhead light in my room. I have a desk lamp. Hmm. I also have a, a light that I use if I'm on 
camera or if I'm on video because I do a lot of video calls so make sure they can see me and I'm not just sitting in the dark but it's really important and I li- I, I'm the same I like to have a desk an old-fashioned desk lamp yeah. that you switch on and you just have that pool of light yes that you just immerse yourself yeah absolutely I also have a couple of spots in the house where a favourite chair is so that, for example, I might move out of my office and one in particular has a, an overhead l- a lamp that sort of puts a pool over that chair. Or there's one chair that I know in the afternoon gets that sunlight. So if I've got some thinking work to do or some reading, I'll actually take me, myself out of my office and go and sit in that chair yeah. because it has that environment to help me plan or focus and you should treat other parts of your house as parts of your office as well yeah we've talked about light i think sound's a big thing too i mean often home if you have the luxury of having a a den or a desk you often see books lining the shelves right and invariably you probably never ever pull those books off off the shelf but they actually give a, a, a lovely ambience and softens the sound in these spaces and just innately makes it more calmer there's not sort of loud clattering noises Mm. Having sort of fabrics or books surrounding this space actually helps the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Same with soft furnishing. So mm. the, the furniture, the carpet on the floor, cushions, anything that can soften that space and not completely domesticize it. So you need some sense of it being an office, a place of work, yeah. but it also needs to, it does definitely help that sound. I like to be near a window I like to be at the back of the house it's where my office is but I actually love to hear the birds outside it can be a pain when you're doing some recordings but those sounds are important I read recently that you know our kids now are growing up have always had sound they've always had electronic sound they've always had some sort of distraction I mean back in the day when we were studying I remember oh it's got to be quiet and bloody turn that television but now there's some sort of thought that a little bit of ambient sound is actually normal and natural and for young people particularly they need that ambient sound to, to concentrate yeah, I know. My son sits there with the headphones on while he's writing. And I just like, how do you do that? Yeah. They're trained to do that way. It is true. I love my playlists and I have a productivity playlist. And it's usually, it's a lot of classical music because the Baroque period, the beat of the music harmonises with the heartbeat. And I know that once I put that music on, it will get me into that peak state of being able to focus and you know, concentrate on what I do. And I find that much more productive for me than total silence. Right. Is putting on that music. It doesn't have to be very loud. It definitely, definitely works. Yeah, having a little but Baroque music mm, you like, is it? Music, good old bark or a bit <laughs> of Vivaldi. I'm going to have to get your playlist. I need some, I need, and this, obviously you do work a lot with creatives and trying yeah. to generate those creative juices. What about yeah. the home office, walking into the home office and trying to get those creative juices started. Any, any thoughts on that? Yes, definitely. Time of day matters. There's been studies about, I remember listening to, I was years ago when I worked in Scotland actually for this boutique change management business. There was an interview that we were hosting with a brain French brain surgeon. He operates on children, but through that he had a wealth of knowledge about how blood flows through the brain. And he was saying there are certain peak times that blood 
you know, goes through the brain. And one of it, it's, it's a few hours after you wake up, which is the morning, and it's the best time for focused creative work. Whereas what a lot of people do is they get up and they start looking at emails uh-huh. and do all that. That is actually better for for email work, admin, and also relating to people. So have your meetings in the afternoon and have your morning time as your creative focused work. So don't open your emails when you first get going. Start on your big projects that require your creative thinking or your, you know, your mental um, processes going. The other thing you can do too is declutter. So remember when we were at school and we had to study and then suddenly we found ourselves cleaning our rooms? (laughs) That actually was your brain trying to come up for air. The procrastination, yeah, it was a little bit of being a school kid, but it was also our brains trying to come up for air in terms of decluttering. So a clean desk without all those distractions definitely helps. Yeah, there's certain levels of natticism. I mean, I've worked in architectural offices where some architects, I mean, their pens have to be lined up like linearly, mm. you know, and colour-coded this That's and that. OCD, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I bet, but, but I never saw And then you've got these other people, we've got sort of butter paper here and broken model there and this different sort of creative spaces for, for different types of mindsets, I'd imagine. Absolutely. I think sometimes it's not about just having a clean desk that's decluttered. It's like be aware of what's going on. If you've got this insane, oh, I've got a declutter, it's probably because your brain's going, I need some space here. But if you can operate in that clutter, go for it. Yeah. But I challenge you, you, if you did declutter, perhaps you might have a little bit more brain space. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're not coming to my home office. Uh, (laughs) Um, What about some just general tips now for people setting up a a home office? I mean, so important. We've we've, we've covered off last time on the inner home office and we worked on our self-awareness and time management and and being, you know, aware of failure and embracing lessons learned. Today we're talking about setting up the physical office space at home. Some tips for people to remember. Yeah. So three things that I think you should do is, do you go wow when you walk into that space? And if it doesn't, take note of what you can do. It might just be, depending on your budget, you might be going by a plant. It might be move your desk a little bit so it gets a bit of sun. It might be, honestly, buy a cushion. All right. You don't, I don't say go and spend 2000 on a stand-up desk, but add some wow factor. So at least you look forward. It might just be buying a bottle of peppermint aromatherapy oil and burning that, okay, or diffusing that. So have that wow factor. The next thing is, really do declutter either your brain or your desktop or even just your pencil drawer sometimes that can help if you've just like I need to go that next level I'm not sure what to do just declutter something you take your focus off you know maybe some stress you've got or area that you're just not sure what to do overwhelm and it gets you involved the next area is design your day What's your ideal day and what's your best times for working? And I suggest you work in blocks. So, for example, you might have 8 till 12 is a creative working block. And then you go and have lunch, give yourself a break. And then have another block of, say, three hours in the afternoon where you, you know, open up your emails or you have meetings. But design your day into various blocks and then stick to it so that you're not just sitting there and going, oh, what will I do? And it's endless. You go... That's the block I'm doing admin. That's the block I'm doing writing on that project. Well, folks, look, if you're setting up your home office, as we've covered off with Marilyn, it's not an easy thing. I mean, there are a lot of advantages to it, obviously working from home, but you really need to be self-awareness, self-consciousness on all sorts of levels, both internally and in terms of the physical environment that you set up. Marilyn, absolutely fascinating. I'm I'm going home to declutter right now. (laughs) Clear my head. (laughs) Do I believe you?
I absolutely love that chat with Marilyn wilson Beretta, the business coach, and how to set up a home business. Now, listen, you need to forward that particular discussion on to your friends. If ever you've got one who's thinking about setting up a home office, they are tips that everyone needs to know before venturing on to, to what can be quite a daunting daunting prospect. Now, up next, I've got Carolyn burns McCrave, the tiny designer princess, and she's talking about things you need to know if you're absolutely going to start a reno. Caroline from House, who was one of the design... <coughs> Carolyn. Carolyn. <laughs> you said Caroline. <laughs> See, I know you hate it. That's, I know you do, you know. Because Lawrence it. says it, doesn't he? Yes, Drives he does. Nuts. Lawrence calls me Caroline. Caroline. You have one very, very clear design philosophy that applies to anyone, anywhere. Absolutely. What is it? It is to design it better, not build it bigger. Because basically in this country, we're, you know, how much more square metres can we get on this site? We're restricted by floor space ratios. People will go through this in their planning. Absolutely. Quite often our houses are already big enough and we need someone like yourself to go through and work out yep you can have it all absolutely it is a real passion of mine and it's something that's sort of grown you know with my business over the years that so much of it has actually ended up being about just pure spatial planning and how can we make a space work without having to add on expensive extensions and also very much so in melbourne the planning process is fraught. So if you can do anything within your home that will give you what you want without having to, you know, sit in council for 18 months, it has to be a good thing. It's all about people need to have a checklist of what it is that they want, you know, and I always say to my clients, give me a a must have and then give me a like to have list. And I think the important thing is to make sure when you're spending that kind of money to do a renovation, you deserve to have everything on the must-have list. Anything on the like to have is a bonus, but if you are going to spend the money, then make sure you get it right. If someone goes to a draftsman or an architect and they have designed an extension or an addition, a second story, and you don't get everything on your must-have list, it's the wrong design. Absolutely. That that's a real that actually that's a really good way to put it. If you go with your wish list and or your must have list and you are putting on square meterage and you still don't get everything on that must have list, you need to have another look at it. It's literally back to the drawing board. You know, one of my big bugbears as well with that is the way that a house is laid out is the most crucial thing. It's not what stone do you put on the kitchen bench top and I can't tell you how many jobs I've actually walked away from because a client said, look, I want you to come in and redo my kitchen and my bathroom. So I'll go off for a first meeting and we'll have a chat about, you know, their hopes and dreams for their house. And invariably what comes up is what doesn't work for them. And a lot of people erroneously think that just putting in a new kitchen is the answer. But if their kitchen's in the wrong part of the house... It's never going to work. Well, I keep saying, do you know what, this is, you know, for me, this is probably not going to work for us to work together because you are just throwing good money after bad. So if you just replace that kitchen with a 20, 30, 40, away you go, kitchen, it's still in the wrong corner of the house and it's not actually going to change the way that you live. It's just going to look different, but it's not going to change the way your family moves around this space and your family experiences this house. So I'm not going to take your money from you. So get down to first principles and you've got to get the plan correct. So if you're walking... Form follows function. Form, form follows function exactly. So, so, uh, so, but if you're walking th- into an existing home, and and obviously we grew up in sort of, you know, boxes linked by hallways and and so on and so forth, and we just sort of tack on a new addition at the back and we'll start again. Yes. What you're saying is though, is if 
prepared to what knock down some internal walls and replan the internals. Yep. You may not need to go upstairs. You may not Absolutely. need to put on an addition at the back. People often think just you know whack a box on the back to put our new kitchen and family room in. Yet there's probably a formal living room and dining room at the front of the house that they never go into mm. or they go into for Christmas Day or they'll feel that they need to put a massive dining room you know, extension on because they have 24 people over for Christmas or they need to put in a guest room because their mother-in-law comes and stays. And mm. so my question is always, on Christmas is once, how often do you actually have overnight guests? If it's once a month, that is too much real estate to give up mm. for 12 days of the year. So it's about prioritising your spaces so that the other 350 days of the year, it works for your family and how you live. If you have guests come, just get them a room at a hotel. That's going to be cheaper <laughs> yeah. than yes, whacking right. an extra room. Pay for it, yeah. Than doing this exactly, renovation. yeah, pay for it. Than whacking an extra room on, mm. on your house, which is just going to use materials, it's just, you know. It's and valuable outdoor space. People absolutely. don't value, I mean, great architects will tell you it's the outdoor space, it is just as important as the yep. internal yep. space. It's that balance between architecture and nature. It's that tension, isn't it, between inside and out. And it's those sight lines that give you that feeling of freedom when you look outside. So if you build your boundaries, where's that sense of freedom? You are looking out and your eye is hitting a fence or it's hitting the next door neighbours and that does not feel good. As well as light access in and around yes. your house, opening up into ventilation. So important to get the outdoor space in relation to the indoor space correct. Let's just step through the house. I'm very interested to know when you're looking at you know, kitchen, living room, bedroom, People obviously, I'd imagine, would have very similar wish lists. What are some of the things perhaps they forget? Or what are some sort of the common things they ask for? But perhaps you can add some things for, for kitchens and bathrooms yeah. that people might think of. I think a lot of the time um, people ask for rooms that they don't need. So what we touched on before, with like, you know, the formal room and the, the guest room. So once you get rid of the rooms that they don't need, then you can start developing extra things in the rooms that they do. So um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of a proper American-style butler's pantry in that I love to divide kitchens up so that the prep zone is out where you live so that while you're chopping your veggies and, and you, you know, you're baking and all that sort of thing, you're connected to the rest of the family. But, uh, you know, I have a butler's pantry with a, you know, sliding door on it that has the dishwasher and the double sink and the toaster and the toaster oven and the juicer and the coffee maker and all that. So all the carnage, and it's carnage at my mm. place because I have teenage sons, all the carnage after dinner goes into the clean-up area, the clean-up zone. I can go sit my fat ass on the couch and watch Better Homes and Gardens. And I don't <laughs> know about that mess, you know, and, and my kitchen looks lovely. Yeah. And, you know, the dining room's cleared. And, and so, I, so, once so how you, did your butler, butler's pantry compare to your work Well, my butler's pantry's about two metres by two metres. Yeah. So it's a, it's a generous size. It's yeah. got all of my open shelving for all of my food. So, again, that's, you know, really easily done when it comes to shopping, when, when my husband goes to the supermarket. Your brutalist, you know, loving architect. I know, I know. So you would get on much better with my hubby. Um, you know, Not and then I just, I just have a lovely big island bench that's just got a small prep sink on it. I work out the whole taking my veggies out of the fridge. That goes straight into the sink. That gets chopped there. Turn around, it's on the stove turn back around it gets served so whenever I'm within two steps of each absolute, other yeah. oh, absolutely you should just be pivoting you should yeah. barely be walking within the triangle the Absol kitchen triangle oh, it's not even so much the triangle for me I I now have created that sort of you know that you know it's not a triangle it's more a square because I, I put the the whole cleanup area 
in a different zone. As long as you've got a prep sink so you can wash your veggies yeah. and the kids can grab a drink and all that sort of stuff, then then you're golden and you can put all that mess elsewhere. It's the same with laundries. Think Before of them, you go into the laundry, have you yep. got a sink in your butler's pantry? Yeah, it's my, clean, my butler's to, pantry's got sink, the yep. big yep. double yep. cleaner. Yep. All, all the dirty dishes go in there and the dishwasher's in there. Gotcha. But then a step outside the butler's pantry is where the, all the plates and the crockery goes. Yep. So it's literally two steps straight. Look, I do it on house rules as well when they're designing their kitchens. I go, act out doing a meal. Act out how you're going to cook. Act, yeah. act out how you're going to serve. Which way you're going to walk to the dining table. Can I when get two people in here? That absolutely. Sort of stuff. Yep. I always am making contestants stand bum to bum with me to see if we both fit in a space at the same time. <laughs> Admittedly, the, um, TV, the, kitchen, the kitchen counters have got a little bit further apart as my ass has got bigger. But, you know, still, you, you've got to act it out yeah. and make sure that it works. Let's move on to the laundry. What yes. do people think? Of, forget about designing laundry. People laundries. never make laundries big enough and then they end up with clothes areas in the middle of the Room with all their delicates hanging on it. I think laundries need a lot more space and a lot more love in our modern homes. And there also needs to be what I call command central. So I always make sure it's it's either in the laundry, especially if the laundry is off the, the garage and that's your internal access into the house, mm-hmm. needs to be somewhere to drop your keys, drop your, you know, drop your sunglasses and your handbag. In the laundry. I often put it in the laundry. If it's if it's between sort of the laundry and the kitchen, I will do a space that has joinery that's specific for that. That's where the charging station is. So there has to be somewhere to plug in all the mobile phones that is not out in the middle of the living room, uh, but is only steps away from the kitchen if the phone goes. So all those kind of modern things you've got to think about. Where do the school notices go? You know, where do you sit and pay your bills? All that sort of stuff. So I'm finding laundry slash mudroom situations that's where I would rather use space in a renovation rather than having a good front room mm. that just has the fancy couch in it that costs you a fortune and you never put your bum on it. Yeah, yeah right. Encourage people to sacrifice Absolutely. what used to be the show-off room with the yeah. fancy sofa and the fireplace. You know what? Times have changed. This has got to be a practical, pragmatic family space. Absolutely. Don't show off. Just put your phone somewhere where people can't see it. Yeah, right. Like, just get that crap out of the way. Don't have all that visual clutter, all that stuff that's in our faces all the time. There's got to be somewhere to put all that or it all ends up on the end of the kitchen island bench. Yes, uh, in We all have these beautiful big island benches. We just dump all our crap on the end of it and they always look shit. What about bathrooms? Is there stuff that you can always... Yeah, bathrooms. I'm like, what is it about the double basins? Yep. Right? Don't need... Red pen, get it out. If... There's a couple who both get ready at the same time. and I'm, I'm. What are the chances? You know, maybe two in ten of my clients say, yeah, actually, we both get ready for work at the same time. I'm like, okay, you can have a basin each. But if you have put in two basins, yeah. where's the vanity space for the hairdryer, the brushes, yeah. you know, the tongs, the makeup? Where's all that? Yeah, so one of the, at the, time. One of the things yeah. I'm doing now is I'm creating the old-fashioned vanity table within a bathroom. So in my new house, I've, I've set aside a whole little corner where all of my, you know, stuff will, you know, yeah. whatever makes this magic happen, you know. <laughs> We're on ACAS, folks. Layers Download the photos. Layers of it. <laughs> <laughs> layers of it. That's all going to go nowhere near my toothbrush. You know, my, my basin is just for washing my face and brushing my teeth. A lot of the homes that um, Joe and I visit now, some of the, the spaces around um, en suites and walk-in robes are becoming sort of 
rooms in themselves, yeah. sitting rooms and... Yeah. Now, I don't want to hang out in my bathroom. Mm. I, I really don't. And I don't want to hang out in my walk-in robe. I don't even want to hang out in, in my bedroom. I don't get this whole parents' retreat. You know when you have these yeah. these big houses Boy, and the master trend. bedroom is time. enormous and it's got, you know, two sofas and an extra TV? Yeah. No. Why would you know? That's wasted space. You don't. If you don't do the alteration of the addition, you, yeah. If, the, if you consume is, some of this internal exactly, space, exactly. And people are putting on square meterage for all this stuff that they will never use. Yeah. They'll never use it, and and that can be a really hard conversation to either have with a client or to have with yourself while you're working out your renovation. Mm. So you've you've got to be. You've really got to get to the depths of well. What's going to make family life work for me? You know, whether you're a single or a couple or a family or whatever, mm. what is going to make this work for everybody? And I'll bet you a pound to a penny it's not a parent's retreat. <laughs> yeah, and an expensive a luxury at that. Just quickly, in the living room, I mean, storage obviously everywhere you can obviously yes. squeeze it in. But yes. what's some tips for people planning living rooms? Oh, I'm obsessed with window seats and I whack them in everywhere. Really? Yes. So I have a theory. Oh, fashion I have idea. a weird uh, theory about window seats. Great storage because you can lift them up and put yeah. all that stuff. You know, when somebody comes to the front door unexpectedly and you've got to grab all the crap off the coffee table throw and throw it, it window <laughs> seat. The thing I like about a window seat is they invite relax. As soon as you see a window seat, I just what a great spot to sit and look out to the garden. And I know now I'm putting a lot of USB points at window seats because I think that is where the teenager is going to sit and, you know, look mm. at YouTube and play their games. But at least they've got some connection to the garden and they might look outside occasionally when they look up. But window seats for me are immediately inviting and they say, you know, look, we've we've built comfort into the architecture, but the beautiful thing is they're only 600 mil deep. Mm. So they take bugger all floor space, they draw your eye to the window, they take you outside, they're beautifully lit and yet they're extra seating and you can upholster them and, you know, when the it's mood nice takes you, change the cushion. It's nice if the window seat is at the same height as the window sill, oh, you know, so you can open up the window and you're basically sitting indoor, outdoor. Just drawn exactly the same thing in my new dining room as we speak. Really? Yes. Okay, okay. We're, we're on the same page. Oh, for sure. Listen, this has been a little fascinating discussion, a little vignette going through the house on how to improve the internal space you have without adding space. Mm-hmm. I want to just sort of finish off by saying that if you have an, an internal space, you've got to get the planning right. As you said, if oh, the kitchen's absolutely. in the wrong spot, there's no use redoing the kitchen. No. You've got to move it. That's right. Now, you can't just go knocking down walls without getting some sort of professional yes. advice yep. in, in a home. Yep. But generally, the message here is build it better, not bigger. Absolutely. Design it better. Don't build it bigger. It's, it's all about how you design a space. It's not about the amount of space. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with a tiny designer princess. Now, for more great tips, better ideas, better homes and gardens, Friday night on 7 at 7. And Graham Ross has just told me that he's heading to Victoria and visiting a French-inspired garden. Of course he is. That's Graham Ross this Friday night, better homes and gardens on 7 at 7. You've been listening to Better Ideas. Now, Loretta Farrell is my producer, Nikki Hamilton's executive producer, and I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. This is a Seven West Media podcast.